Yo, this is Teresa Weatherspoon, better known as Teaspoon, and you're watching Real Fans, Real Talk. Live from the camp. Uh-huh. This is Real Fans, Real Talk. Real Fans, Real Talk. We as real as you thought. Real Fans. What's going on, and welcome to a very special Saturday edition of Real Fans, Real Talk in conjunction with the Sanchez Show. Uh... It's, 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 it's very special because it's Saturday night, fight night is uh, is amongst us. We got the heavyweight belt going down uh, tonight. Uh, the trilogy, hopefully it, it comes to an end tonight between Deontay Wilder and uh, the Gypsy King, uh, Tyson Fury. But uh, before we get into that, we had a big moment in NASCAR. And uh, because of that, we had to bring somebody, a special guest onto the show uh, he, he he might turn into our official uh, NASCAR uh, representative on the program because he definitely knows what he's talking about. Uh, he's, he's actually been rocking with us for a little while uh, now, uh, watching the show and, and following what we're doing. So it's actually a pleasure uh, to bring him on the program as, as well. Um, but let me introduce my co-host first and foremost, the legend, uh, legend in two games, that is my brother Eric Sanchez. What's going on, man? What's really good, man? As you mentioned, it's Saturday uh, normally we wait to Sunday to give our, our weekly recap, but because the fight is so big tonight, we had to get into it. But as you mentioned, we've got a special guest on the show because we got to talk about what's going on in NASCAR right now with a historic moment that just took place. Fact. So with that being said, uh, Cody Price, our, our NASCAR analyst, <laughs> welcome to Real Fans <laughs> Real Talk, man. Hey, it's uh, it's going good. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate you, man. You you've been you've been keeping me in the loop. Uh, with everything NASCAR, this is probably this past year is the most I've known about NASCAR in my entire life because Cody he sends me videos, he'll send me like little things to re- like I'm just, I've been doing my homework on NASCAR. I watched the video that you uh, that you sent me the other day as well. Um, well, let me let me just start by saying congratulations uh, to Bubba Wallace to the whole uh, two three eleven team. Of course, that's MJ, that's Denny Hamlin, who's a, who's a, who's a, a, a NASCAR legend. Um, he just uh, had a legendary feat. He he now becomes the second uh, to win, the second African American to win at Talladega in Alabama. Yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah, with with this, he's the uh, second African American driver to ever win in NASCAR. Um, the first one was uh, Wendell Scott back in 1963, and uh, I think his was in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, but, um, yeah, with, with that, it's, it's definitely an amazing feat that Bubba has, Bubba has accomplished. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, amazing what that 2311 team has been able to do in such little time, uh, within about a year or so. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now it's actually, it was kind of crazy because literally this is the exact same place where Bubba had the, uh, the issue last year when they found the uh, the noose in his locker. So I know for him this had to be a, a, just a crazy moment to kind of get past all of all of that and then come back around to where he's actually from in Alabama and to, uh, and to, and to win that race. Yeah, definitely. And um, it's, a, it's amazing he's, you know, able to keep the composure. But it, it's probably been, you know, it's been about a year. So I'm, I'm sure some stuff has come back up from that, some feelings and stuff, but um, I, I, he's done a really good job as far as trying to get that passed. And um, 
and I, th- I think a lot of that's behind them. I mean, of course, it's still going to come up, but um, to be able to overcome that and be able to, um, you know, still keep your mind on the races is, is an awesome feat and still be able to, uh, you know, kind of put, uh, put those feelings behind and, and uh, be able to accomplish what he did is, is, is an amazing job. And um, I think that, uh, yeah, he's, he's definitely on it on his way to helping that team uh, become what it, what it can be in the future. And he's also going to have a, uh, a great teammate in the future too, to help bring that up starting next year too. That's right. Because with, they uh, signed, was it uh, was Kurt, Kurt Bush? Yeah. They former uh, cup champion Bush. Yeah. Nice. So how, how, how big is that for, uh, for team two, three, 11? That, uh, that is going to be a major uh, piece of the puzzle of becoming better because when you're a single car team, you can only get really input from one driver. And with that, um, I mean, Bubba's a great driver, but the more minds that you can have with multiple cars, uh, the more that you can find out, the more that you can uh, be able to pass ideas off one another and you can really improve that team a lot faster if you if you're a multi-car team than just a one-car team. Okay, and I mean, you know, this 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 he's one of the top <laughs> drivers right now, so I, that can always be a boost when you. That's like bringing over KD to the Warriors. Uh, for you guys yeah. that don't know, for, for y'all not the, the NASCAR fans, you know that's that's the equivalent of, of bringing somebody like that over to the Warriors. I love it. Um, I want to talk because I know people were talking about in the rain. I, I I seen there was some haters out there that tried to like yep. give the win to because of the rain or the rain was coming and they had to stop it or whatever. What's your thoughts on that? Well, um, I think some of them are just haters, um, but I think a lot of a lot of it might just be kind of just casual fans. And when they think of a rain shortened race, a lot of times what can happen with a rage shortened race like that is basically there a lot of times there's a possibility that they might get the race back up and going again. And uh, basically what will happen is there'll be a strategy where people will come in because they think and get a pit stop done because they think it's going to go back racing again. Uh, but then also um, uh, there'll be some people that just stay out and gamble that it's just going to rent. Uh, it's just going to rain and the rain is going to stop. So sometimes you might get somebody who's maybe a 30, 30th place car that's still on the lead lap that ends up winning the race because they just stay out and they're gambling on that rain coming out. And I think for people who didn't watch the race and are just a casual fan, I think a lot of people are more or less talking about that being kind of the situation that it might've been if they weren't actually watching the race. And um, with that, it's um, with some of them, it, it might be that. And with this case, it wasn't Bubba actually uh, went from about 22nd with about five laps to go before that um, rain came out. And he actually went from 22nd to the lead. So he actually earned that win. So in this situation, though, nobody really has any advantage over any other driver. Everybody's kind of in the same position. It's just how you handle the situation. 
Yeah, exactly. Everybody knows the rain's coming. Everybody knows that uh, it could be there any second. So everybody's going full out and trying to get that win because uh, any second could be the last moment of the race. And uh, basically everybody's pushing it. Everybody's um, going after that win. And Bubba went up there and took it. Yeah. So then, so the victor goes the spoils. Uh, we're all we're all happy for him. Um, they, I, one thing, because um, I was watching in, in the program you sent me, they were talking about the uh, the driver diversity program. Um, yeah. And tr- I guess trying to get younger uh, African American drivers involved in the in the sport. Can you can you talk to me a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah, I've been a fan of that for a long time, and and. I've, I've always wanted a little bit more diversity in the sport too. Um, but, uh, basically, uh, the, the drive for diversity program is a program where, um, pe- people of diverse backgrounds can sign up and NASCAR will actually try to, uh, help you go further in your career with that particular program. Now they won't be able to do necessarily, you know, everything with it. There's a limit to what they can do. Um, uh, but, um, they always try to help out the best that they can. And uh, with that, um, there's been a lot of dri- successful drivers who have gone through that. Uh, Bubba's gone through that. Uh, actually, Kyle Larson's gone through that. Uh, a lot of people don't know, but he's uh, half white, half Japanese. Um, also, um, uh, Daniel, I believe Daniel Suarez was one person who went through that as well. And he's actually Mexican. And he's in the Cup Series. Um, and actually, there's one person uh, that of a diverse background that's in the Cup Series that actually didn't go through that program uh, and still made it, and that's Eric Almarola. He's uh, of uh, Cuban descent. Um, but actually, uh, the history of that program, it was actually started by uh, football uh, NFL player Reggie White, uh, along with... Um, uh, football and NASCAR uh, football coach and NASCAR owner Joe Gibbs, and they've been trying to bring um, diversity in the sport for a long time through that program, and it, it's really starting to show its results now uh, because uh, there's a lot more diversity in the lower levels now too. Uh, we got Haley Deegan uh, in Truck Series, uh, who's a really successful uh a woman driver who has a lot of talent. Now she hasn't had as successful a year this year as she did in ARCA and some of her other series before, but that's just her getting used to the new car. I think next year she's going to have a lot better season. Um, also in ARCA, there's a, a new, a really young African, African-American driver. That's doing pretty good. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, he had a third place finish. Um, I, I don't want to necessarily say his name right now because I'm going to butcher it, <laughs> but, uh, um, but he's really successful and I'm, I'm a big fan of him. Uh, there's also an Arab American, uh, female driver in Narca right now, uh, that's doing, um, doing pretty well, uh, pretty good as well. So diversity is on the way and it, and it is coming. Got you. Got you. I just quoted before, before we let you go, I, I just got one last question for you. Um, sure. Clearly, you don't you don't have to be the most hardcore basketball fan to know that Michael Jordan is referred to as the greatest of all time. Um, sure. So my question is, well, I guess it's a two part question. What was the reception 
when it, you know it was it was announced that that Michael Jordan would be buying into uh, to a NASCAR uh, franchise, and how big was that? Knowing that you know that we have this guy who's considered the goat in basketball came over to NASCAR. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it was positive. It was completely positive. Um, everybody was excited when Michael came in. Um, not only is he a legendary in sports, but he's just a legend in general because, I mean, he's a heck of a businessman too. And what everybody was excited about was new opportunities uh, for not only Michael's team, but also other uh, teams as well, because with Michael coming into the sport, uh, that also in, uh, helps with new sponsors coming in and could help with some of the lower level teams as well. And uh, also, uh, with that too, with uh, Michael being in there too, um, it uh, it helps bring some notoriety to the sport to have such a successful owner, and it's also helped bring uh, some other celebrity owners now too. Um, all Michael wasn't the only uh, celebrity that became a uh, Cup Series owner this year. Uh, Pitbull is actually in NASCAR now too with Trackhouse and. Uh, also, um, in Xfinity starting next year, um, Emmett Smith is actually uh, partnering with uh, an African-American driver in uh, Xfinity, which is NASCAR's low, uh, kind of minor league series. And uh, they're teaming up and doing their own uh, team next year. And, uh, and that driver is going to have a lot more better equipment. And... Uh, and it'll be fun seeing whether uh, Jesse, uh, I believe his last name is Awoji. A, a, a uh, I might be mispronouncing that. But um, I've been a fan of his for a long time, too. And um, I think with um, Emmett coming in and helping him out and uh, helping his team, I think that's going to be, um, I'll at least get him a lot better runs um, and have better equipment where he can be a, a lot more successful. So it's, it's going down. We might even uh, get Eric, and you might need to be a part of this, Space Jam 3, The Race for It All, starring Bubba Wallace, Michael Jordan, and Denny Hamlin. What's up, man? Talk to me. Hey, hey maybe. Uh, there was a long time ago that they thought the sequel to the first Space Jam would be uh, a uh, movie with um, with Jeff Gordon coming back, and it actually be in a uh, racing movie, but that never came about. But there was rumors about that. So, hey, maybe one of these days it might be. <laughs> we might have to get it going, man. Listen, Cody, we appreciate you so much for giving us your time today. We're going to be checking back in with you periodically because you got to keep us in tune with what's going on on, on the racetrack, man. Okay, sounds good. And uh, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. All right, man. Take care, Cody. Have a good one, Cody. Yep, you too. All right, Eric. We got the NASCAR talk out the way. That was fun. Big shout out to Cody for rocking with us. But it's fight night. And that's why we oh, yeah. Here. We are oh, yeah. here for the trilogy, the Gypsy King versus the Bronze Bomber Part Three, the 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 the, the match to take it all. Uh, this is the, this is the rematch clause because Deontay did lose his belt last year when they uh when they fought back in uh in, in February. He is back after all of the controversy. Eric, me and you have been talking about this thing for so long just because 
we weren't even supposed to be here right now for the third fight. It was actually supposed to be Anthony Joshua versus Tyson Fury. Um, that got taken off the board completely. And now we are back, the trilogy uh, for that coveted WBC heavyweight championship belt, Tyson Fury versus Deontay Wilder. What's going to be different? What's going to be the same tonight? I think uh, there are a couple things that's going to be different. I think we got to rewind to get to the point we're at now because, as you mentioned, we weren't sure if we were going to get the fight. So many things got in the way of these two gentlemen getting back in the ring because when they fought last year in January, late January, after that result of Tyson Fury really dominating, we assume, oh, that, tri- that third fight is coming up really soon. And then, obviously, we were hit with COVID. Then we were hit with the, with the slow play of whether Joshua and, and Fury would be the next fight to the point where an arbitrator had to get involved and said, no, Deontay deserves his rematch first. So that's how we end up getting to tonight. In terms of what's going to be different, I want to start there. The first thing that's most noticeable is this is the heaviest Deontay Wilder has ever entered the ring. Yes. Uh, and, and he looks jacked. Let's call it what it is. Um, this might be the best shape he's ever been in in his professional career. This is the strongest he's looked. Uh, we've seen the videos of him bench pressing 350 pounds, which is absurd. I you know what I'm saying? That, man, back in my heyday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I mean, that's that was life for us. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But but for Deontay, welcome to the club. But um, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, but in, in terms of that, that's the first thing that's noticeably different. The second, obviously, is the corner of Deontay Wilder. Great friend of the show, Mark Breland. We know he won't be there. They had their falling out after the second fight. Uh, JD's won't be the head trainer as Malik Scott has taken over that spot. So that's another thing that's going to be different. And then I think the third thing that's going to be different in this fight, and this is for both fighters, I just think that the the any newness that's brought is going to have to be something that was brought in the recent camp. They fought a total of 19 rounds. They felt each other's power. Obviously, Tyson was knocked down two times in the first fight. Deontay was knocked down two times in the second fight. So they know what, the, what each fighter brings as far as power and stylistically. So I don't think there are any secrets in the ring. Unless it's something brand new that they worked on that we've never seen in the ring from either one of these guys. It's going to be one of those comfort levels where it's like, I know what you got, you know what I got, and now it's a matter of getting it on. Yeah, time to go to war. Right, absolutely. Man, yeah, I'm, I'm just really looking forward to this. Um, I do think, and obviously, you know, it's still a little bit of of a home team bias because, you know, Deontay Wilder is a friend of the show, but I, I think that Deontay Wilder um, makes the, the necessary adjustments and he comes out victorious, and he he takes that belt back from Tyson Fury. Um, you know something about I just, I feel I don't I don't know if Tyson Fury is is all in on this fight like he was the previous ones. Just because I I don't know I feel like he's kind of a arrogant in the sense of I already got the job done. So I, I just feel like he you know something's going to be a little bit different. I think Deontay Wilder uh, gets the gets the win and gets the belt back. Well, I mean, that's a good point because I think psychologically, both of them have a hurdle to clear. For Tyson Fury, it's a little bit of this wasn't the fight I was really expecting. So, like you said, you know, you don't want to be too arrogant and feel like, man, we wasn't even supposed to be fighting this dude. We were supposed to be getting Anthony Joshua. And then on top of that, you can't eliminate the human element of he just watched Anthony Joshua lose. And that was supposed to be their biggest payday. So you got to wonder, like, are you as motivated as you should be? Because he himself, this is the heaviest he's ever entering the ring as well. You know what I'm saying? Now, granted, he's never been a cut-up type boxer. 
He's never looked the part the way Deontay Wilder does. But nonetheless, this is still the heaviest he's been. He almost 280 pounds when he touched the scale yesterday. Um, so there's that aspect for him. For Deontay, it's something to prove. And it's the psychological aspect of the last time I was in a ring with this guy, it didn't go well for me. I got beat up. I took some punishment. And that was the first time in my career where I wasn't the baddest man in the ring. Yeah. And so he's got to overcome that mental obstacle as well of how do I get back to where I was before that fight? You know, what's going to happen the first time he lands a really good clean shot on me? And that leads me to the point that I want to ask you on. For Deontay Wilder, he's 35 years old. He's been a great heavyweight. We, we, we're not going to overlook that just because of the last performance. But is this a make or break fight for him in terms of his career? Because at 35 years old, about to be 36, if he loses tonight, where does he go? Is this one of those fights where if he loses, he might have to ride off into the sunset? Okay, if he loses, I don't think it's a it's a ride off into the sunset fight, but I do think this is a game changing career making fight for him as far as him being in the discussion of the the, the top dog in boxing. Uh, he can't. I, I won't. I won't say he can't lose. I, I'll say he can't get knocked out. If he gets knocked out, then yeah, then that's then it's, it's a wrap. He can still he'll still get a couple of fights because he'll still get a check because it's boxing. If he, as long as he wants to get back in the ring, somebody will cut him a check. But as far as him being on that top tier elite status, if he gets knocked out, it's over with. Now if they go the distance and it's back and forth, and you know a decision goes to Fury, and we're like, all right, well I'm not mad at that. It could have gone either way. Then yeah, he he can still he can still continue to move on. Then maybe he takes the Joshua fight next. While uh, Fury takes, um, I forget the guys, got to just beat Anthony Joshua. You know, they go at it to try to, yeah, to try to unify the belts. And then maybe we come back, if Deontay Wilder can beat Anthony Joshua, then we maybe we come back for Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder 4. And because it was a, a close decision, we want to see that fight now. You know what I mean? So I think, I think, yeah, I think as long as he doesn't get knocked out. Um, I don't see I don't see his corner thrown in the towel this time around. Much respect to Mark Breland. That's that's family to the show. Um, but and 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 again, I'm I'm not even mad at him for for the decision that he made, just because he's someone that had a very long career in the sport of boxing. And you know what? At, at the end of the day, you know, call it what you want to call it. Wilder might have wanted to finish the fight. Maybe everybody else might have wanted to fin to finish that fight, but. You know, if he saw something that just that means that man got a lot of love for you, a lot of care for you, that he didn't want this to be your demise in boxing because you stayed in there a little bit too long. And you know, you and I know. I mean, we we can go back to the the fight with uh, Deontay Wilder and Arthur Spilka at the Barclays Center, and he has to go to the to the hospital right after that fight. You know what I mean? So. I understand, you know, Mark Breland and, and where, he's, where he's coming from with that. And I also understand Deontay's side. You know, the rules that I think the saying is um, an honorable death is to die on the field of battle, right? So, you know, I also get that as well. Um, but, yeah, but but just, just to, to, to wrap things up, yeah, I think um, as long as it's not a knockout, I think he's going to be just fine. Well, I think Mark Breland uh, took unnecessary heat for that. Mark Breland did the right thing. Yes. His job is to protect the fighter. Um, it was noticeable that Deontay was never the same after getting knocked down in that third round. The shot to the, you know, the ear, he's bleeding out of his ear. His legs kind of, he looked on wobbly legs the rest of the fight. Yeah. And Breland did the right thing. And then also hearing from Deontay that his legs were a little drained. 
I don't know how true this was from the outfit he was wearing. But if, if your legs were drained, that's even more reason that Breland should want to stop the fight. I'm not going to put you out there in harm's way. Yeah. The fight gets stopped in the seventh round. I'm not going to leave you out there for five more rounds if, if you're having trouble mustering the energy to get through these rounds. You know what I'm saying? Like that's that's the quickest way to have a short career. So he did the right thing. Tonight, I, I agree. I don't expect to see any towels get thrown in. You never know with the sport of boxing. I don't expect it. However, tonight is critical for, for uh, Deontay Wilder to show us again, one, that he can pick himself up off the mat because you take that tough loss. But also, we saw the videos with Malik Scott. You're working on new techniques. Can those new techniques translate to actually being in the ring? Or will you go back to what you're comfortable doing once the fight starts? Because make no mistake, Deontay Wilder is one of the few fighters in the history of the sport, not just this era, the history that packs lightning in that one hand that can alter the fight. I mean, a lot of times he can be losing a fight, but you won't stop watching because you know that one he has that one hit of quitter that can flip this fight on his ear and, and end it. So when you say we that, know I that, always go back to the Ortiz fight with me and you going back and forth. Right. With Ortiz, <laughs> the Ortiz fight is a prime example of that. Yeah. Uh, Berman Stavern, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Chris Ariola, all these fights that you looked at it and you're like, oh, Deontay, bam. Oh, never mind. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He, he may not have looked sharp, but it don't matter because yeah. that right hand landed. Uh, and so for me, I want to see, can we see at least a little bit more of a jab from Deontay? Yes. You know, he's never going to be a technically gifted boxer because that's not his style. And I get it. He took up the sport late as well. But give me a little bit more of a jab. Use that length. You know, he's, he's still a tall fighter as well. Don't get it confused just because he's a little shorter than Tyson Fury. He's still a big man and tall and lanky. Use that reach a little bit. Keep him at, at, at bay and then unload with the right hand. Um, and I would also like to see him fight less off his back foot a little bit. Yes. I thought he did that a little bit too much. Um, in comparison to the first and second fight trip, because obviously you watch him a lot as well. What What do you think is his best course of action tonight to be able to beat Tyson Fury? Um, one thing you already mentioned is the jab. The second thing, and I think this is this may even be a little bit more important than the jab. You cannot continue to let Tyson Fury throw all his weight on you. I thought that was a big part of the second fight. Every time, I, every time I turn around, Tyson Fury is just, you know, tying him up, putting all that weight on top of him, and then you know we're talking about the, the weight difference is is very significant in this case. So you so you're already a big man, but you got an even bigger man who's going to be even bigger than he was in the last fight, trying to lay all that weight on top of you because he's already tired, Tyson. And I think th that's the one thing about him adding on this weight. I think it's gonna. Uh, it's going to hurt him as far as in, in the stamina department if they do wind up going later into this fight. So with that being said, he's going to want to tie you up a lot more. He's going to want to hold and rest on you a lot more. So I think if you can get out of them, get out of those holes quick. Don't let them keep putting in weight and more weight and more weight on you. I think that will make a huge difference in this fight because that will actually help to to maintain Deontay Wilder's stamina if he every five seconds he's not trying to get an extra 30, 40 pounds off of him. Because you, you, there's a noticeable difference between Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury when they're next to each other in the ring. So I think if if he can do those two things, I think he wins the fight. Yeah, you're right. Uh, Tyson Fury is a big man. Um, just yesterday alone, it was, I believe, a 38-pound difference just at the weigh-in. Um, I don't think it'll be much higher than that because it wasn't like either one of them was was kind of uh weight draining themselves to make weight yeah yeah but again on fight night a 40 pound difference 
in those later rounds, I mean, really could be the difference between winning and losing. Like you said, I I think Tyson Fury is going to try to smother him. I think one of the things that Tyson Fury realized from the difference from the first to the second fight was that even though Fury is the better boxer, his best course of action is actually to come forward, force Deontay to fight on his back foot, and then, like you said, and then tie him up and smother those punches. Never allow him to really unload that right hand and kind of smother the punch so it doesn't have the same impact. One of the narratives that I don't like that's coming out of this from the second fight leading into this third fight, though, is a lot of people, for some reason, you are using the term Deontay Wilder got knocked out. He didn't get knocked out. He got knocked down, but he didn't get knocked out. And the reason I bring that up is because psychologically, those are two different things. Deontay Wilder, I think, is just trying to overcome the fact that he lost. To get knocked out is a different mindset that a fighter goes into a fight with because then at that point you become scared of the other guy's power. Like, I don't want to get laid out again. That's not what happened. I also think one of the things that gets overlooked from the second fight was Deontay Wilder had success in the first two rounds of that fight. What changed the fight, obviously, was the punch that lands on the ear in the third round. And then from that point on, Deontay Wilder seems to not have any balance. His equilibrium's off. We see the eardrum. And he kind of had the deer in the headlights look at that point because he didn't know how to get himself back on track so to your point as well as keep the 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 weight off you use your jab i think there are some things from the second fight that deontay wilder can translate to the third fight and be successful he's got to keep tyson fury off him though yeah yeah that's it man that's that's gonna be the keys just because again man that that weight is a lot to have something you know imagine you got somebody dead weight. You trying to carry them. Think about what you know. What firemen go through, and they got to carry somebody out that building, and that's that dead weight you carry. And that's that's different than you just go to pick somebody up when you carrying carrying yeah. an extra forty pounds of dead weight on top of you, and you're already trying to gasp for for air to get as much oxygen intake as you can because you're exerting everything, trying to throw punches and try to to, to duck and bob and weave from you know from getting hit. So I, listen, man. I, I'm I'm going to I'm gonna have a couple of brewskis tonight. I think I'm gonna order some wings. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a night, man. We're gonna have a party tonight to watch this fight. Yeah, absolutely. This is one of those events. Again, uh, people love to say the sport of boxing is dying. That's not true because every couple of months we get these premier fights like this that force everyone around the TV. Um, we, we we're fortunate. Not only we get this one. Uh, tonight, but in a month we get Canelo Alvarez, which is going to be another one of those moments. Mm-hmm. So the sport is thriving and doing well. Obviously, it always helps when it's the heavyweights involved. Trip, before we wrap up though, I need to know. I know your heart is telling you Wilder. What is your mind telling you? Give me your prediction and how you think this fight goes. All right. Honestly, bro, and it's again because I'm I'm obviously you know I'm Team Deontay no matter what. You know what I'm saying? Like, that man welcomed us into his home type, you know, type of situation. So I'm always going to have a special place. He's always going to be, you know, on, on, on this side of things. Um, but I, j- I honestly feel like he's made the necessary adjustments. I like the fact that he bulked up a little bit more. This kind of reminds me of watching Creed when he came back. And uh, you know what I mean? So I'm just like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm liking what I'm seeing from Deontay. And then on the other side of that, you know, and again, you know, just because we've seen, we know that uh, Tyson Fury does have a a, um, a history of dealing with uh, with mental illness, you know, I just I don't know if his mindset is is completely a thousand percent locked in like you really should be, 
And if and if that's the case, then I got to give the the advantage to Deontay Wilder. I agree with some of the points you made there. Um, I, I would love to see Deontay win this fight. I'm be honest because I think the heavyweight division would just be a little more exciting with him as the champ. And then also it would set up the opportunity for the fourth fight with him and Tyson Fury. I just think Tyson is, is the superior boxer. Yes. And I think the weight, I think the weight will play a factor in the second half of this fight. I think Deontay is going to do a better job of controlling the pace, which to me is the most important thing in this fight. I, I always heart back on pace when it comes to boxing, because what sometimes people don't realize is the person who takes control of the center of the ring and dictates the pace nine times out of 10 is going to win that round. That's what judges are looking for. Who is controlling this fight? So Deontay's got to come out early. That's one of the things I, I hope that Malik Scott worked with him on. Come out early, be aggressive, set the tone, and then force Tyson Fury to adjust to you and not the other way around. Um, I think he will have that. I think he'll have his moments in this fight. I think he's going to land a big right hand at some point. But I do think the longer the fight goes on, it plays to Tyson Fury's advantage because he's the, the superior boxer and because, again, the 40 pounds at some point will take a factor in it. I think it goes to the cards. I think Tyson Fury wins a close fight on the cards, um, which, again, no, it wouldn't be anything shameful for Deontay to lose in that fashion. Yeah. I just think that's the way it goes. But I do like your point about the mental state of Tyson Fury because there's some of the things that I've noticed in the way his, he's led up to the fight that seem more frustrated than actually wanting to be here. He seems like a guy who's more frustrated with the fact that he's got to fight Deontay for the third time, that he's not fighting Anthony Joshua, and that also Joshua just lost, which probably has cost him the biggest payday of his life. So I would not be surprised if he's not 100% focused early in this fight, allowing Deontay Wilder to take advantage of him. Um, a close fight, I'm going to give the slight advantage to Tyson Fury, though. And, you know, to go back to your, you know, you just talking about boxing being the dying sport. Boxing got us up here Saturday morning recording. So it ain't, it ain't, it ain't we that gotta yet. get that working. <laughs> yeah, we gotta get that working. That's a, that's a, that's an absolute fact. Mama. Uh, let me quickly before we got here. Let me shout out the sponsors. Of course, big shout out to Petro Home Services, uh, Kmart, the Rosado Firm, Soundview Liquors as well. And uh, make sure you guys are following us on all our, all our social media: Instagram and Twitter at uh, Real Fan Talk, Facebook.com forward slash Real Fans Real Talk. Subscribe to that YouTube channel: YouTube.com forward slash uh, for the fans productions and of course if you're not in new york city on thursday nights from 8 to 9 p.m you can always watch from anywhere in the world at realfansrealtalk.com just click that red button on the home page and uh while you're online Mama. make sure you, you, you follow on the podcast too man real fans real talk podcast the sanchez show podcast and of course for our grown and sexy audience shooting the shit man we out here working <laughs> full time yes sir yes sir nothing but that work we putting out here Hey, for myself, my main man, Trip Young, Real Fans, Real Talk, The Sanchez Show. Enjoy the fight tonight. Sir. We'll see you guys real soon. We out. Peace. Yo, this is Teresa Weatherspoon, better known as Teaspoon, and you're watching Real Fans, Real Talk. Live from the camp. Uh-huh. This is Real Fans, Real Talk. Real Fans, Real Talk. We as real as you thought. Real Fans.